Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah and we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode we're going to be discussing chapters 13 and 14 of Goblet of Fire. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage, stay inside and separate like we are, it's very sad, and join us on this reminiscent journey. I really love that anyone listening to this like in any other in the future is just going to be like wow okay fine I'm staying inside now (laughs) I'll just stay inside I'll just stop the car on my commute (laughs) yeah hi hello Charlie this is really weird I'm not sure I like it I know. Oh, first time we've ever recorded a part. I know. I just... I never thought we would. Like, I never imagined a scenario where this would happen. No, not at all. Like, because normally if one of us goes on holiday or something, we're normally quite organised. Yeah, we work... We always work it out around our holidays and our schedules. So, I... I, The only way I ever thought we'd do this is if the podcast carried on for, like, four years and one of us moved abroad. Yeah. So, for the people listening to this in, like, 20... 25 or something (laughs) it's possible this is during the uh covid19 pandemic so we are not legally allowed to be in the same room right now so we are doing online recording our first first ever online recording so we're doing the same thing we do with guests we've done this with fanatical fix and we did this with melissa charlie's over skype Mm -hmm. it's just bizarre like this yeah. feels it feels like i'm interviewing someone rather than the real recording i know it's like i can still see hannah's beautiful face but i can't touch it which is like most of the appeal she's now waving but her whenever i try to touch you you run away from me i know but i still like it i just like playing hard to get so we hope you're all doing well and we hope you are all staying safe and staying indoors unless you are a key worker who needs to be outside in which case we applaud you well done well done we hope you're all okay but the podcast must continue <laughs> it must so we're thinking that it should be fine because we did a test episode for our patreon but mm. basically right now what i'm recording on is like a little like handy recorder but when we like mixed it up and leveled it it did sound really really good you couldn't really tell the difference but there is a slight drop in my audio quality versus hannah's I'm very sorry, but it's just unavoidable. We could have split our current setup in half, but then it wouldn't have worked for either of us because it would have been yeah. sword in half. So, <laughs> yeah, we have one setup. So I'm sure you guys understand if there is a drop in quality. The reasoning behind that, we never thought we wouldn't be using the same setup. Yeah, exactly. So, what are you drinking um, today, Hannah? Oh, so I found this new cocktail. So, me and my mum were doing cocktails last weekend over Skype because I'm not with my own mother i am and i wish i wasn't i'm kidding oh, i love my mum and it's lovely <laughs> i'm just not used to it i'm with neil who i know you lot want to be quarantined with but ugh. <laughs> literally Joking. all of the patrons will probably give money to be quarantined with neil i was making questions with my mum, and although we have a lot of weird podcast alcohols i don't have a lot of things that go into cocktails mm-hmm. so we were doing that thing where you put in what alcohols we both have and then like it churns out recipes so we found one that is two shots of gin one shot of elderflower like syrup one shot of wine 
And then that was meant to be it for the cocktail. But after having one of those at that strength, I started topping up with tonic water because my God, I had one and was so drunk. I was like steaming. That does sound very how, how do you not have like you're like oh i don't have cocktail stuff and then you're like i have elderflower syrup i oh, that's the one thing i always do have because ikea sell it why does that mean that you have it because whenever i go to ikea i pick up a new bottle because it's like one pound fifty and it's so good okay i've never tried it but that sounds you should buy it next time yeah. when we're allowed back in ikea that sounds nice maybe we'll we'll have to do when we're reunited like an exchange of like the best things we drunk whilst apart whilst we drink them again like but together that. do you want to hear about what i'm drinking i would love to hear about what you're drinking please tell me i'm gonna take a sip of mine <laughs> it's not nearly as impressive quite the opposite mm. i am drinking knockoff strongbow dark fruits <laughs> <laughs> you chap <laughs> Um, this is what it looks like it's called Taurus oh my god the packaging is so where is it what shop did you buy that in it must be from like an Audi or a Lidl or something Um, oh I love it it's I didn't even realise it was knockoff I saw that my mum had bought this and then I like went to drink it earlier and I was like that's not even does it taste the same though um well here's the thing I don't really like Strongbow Dark Fruits um, but I really like this. It's really nice. Oh, no. okay. I like all other like fruity ciders, like uh, Record uh, Lig and Copperberg, but yeah, not, not dark fruits. So um, I have something to say that like isn't at all relevant to the podcast, but I feel like I'm so excited. Our listeners and you need to hear this. My parents just moved into this house like a few months ago, and it's a really gorgeous, amazing house, but needs quite a lot lot of work done on it and there's like a big huge like double story garage which is like a three it's like three garages in one with like a second floor and it's amazing but there's like not enough bedrooms here for when in the future like if me and my sister have kids and family blah blah so my parents are like gonna like do it up into bedrooms and stuff and earlier we actually like made an agreement with someone to do it and then I asked mum I was like oh like so like is that for like when we have kids and stuff in the future and she was like no 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 it's for Hannah and Neil (laughs) I have have I met your mum in person no No, I've only met your mum over video call yep I know this is crazy I love your (laughs) mum they're just honestly like they're bonkers oh my god is your dad's birthday party cancelled course it is right should we talk about harry potter we probably should but i thought that our audience would enjoy that chapter 13 mad eye moody okay so it's the next day they're all at breakfast and they're discussing their timetables it's mm-hmm. one of those it's one of the first you know their timetables get given out and they're like do you remember this on your first day of term getting your timetable like it was a bit of an event wasn't it so i have a really weird reoccurring dream and I think why do you always do this when I raise like a simple point you're like I have this crazy story about the time I broke into a a lake and this old man found me (laughs) I was like wow Hannah's really exaggerating there and then I was like oh wait no that happened Um, (laughs) no I just love talking about myself Um, (laughs) I'm not even kidding go on then tell me your reoccurring dream no so I have a reoccurring dream and I think part of it is because I just refuse to believe that I'm actually like a 25-year-old adult. (laughs) But I have a reoccurring dream that it's the first day back at school after like a term break and that I'm like 
everyone knows their timetables but i haven't been given it and i don't know my timetable and i'm just like trying to like work out like what class i have or like what (laughs) classroom it's in and i don't know because i don't have a timetable and i don't remember like how you used to be given your timetables either like i think it was just like so we would have our first form time which on the first day of term would be extra long i think like it wouldn't be 15 minutes it would be an hour on your first day back of term and you'd be given your timetable then yeah but i mean like because i know that it was probably just like a slip of paper with like your timetable on and i think ours yeah and then i used to print stick it in the front of my planner yeah and i think ours like we had like a two-week one but now that seems really like oh my god did we really have a piece of paper it should be on like laptop or like phone or something everything was on paper you get the most exciting thing was getting your planner on the first day back at school and there were the really organized people who would like it would all be perfect in there and i would always aim to be those people i was like i'm gonna use the same pen to write in it so it's all gonna look great and by week two i'd be like this looks like trash oh mine was like by like day two like best of intentions zero follow through like literally everything i ever do um but (laughs) yeah it's just like this weird thing where like i'm in this dream and like i know i have my timetable but i don't know like where it is or what format it's in and i just yeah this is not interesting i'm so sorry (laughs) no it's one of those like reoccurring school dreams though it's like turning up it's like in a dream you turn up to exam and you realize you've never studied for the test yeah or like you turn up to school and you're naked or like your teeth fall out halfway through a lesson (gasps) oh my god i hate those ones yeah I know. I had but one yeah, of them the get... other day for obvious reasons, as I'm currently sans half a tooth. Oh my god. Yeah, Charlie lost half a tooth. I've made myself a new one. Sorry? Because I can't get to a dentist because of the global pandemic, so I had to make myself half of a tooth. That's not safe. <laughs> Out of what? <laughs> Some stuff I bought on Amazon. <laughs> what stuff? This... Is it mouth? Is it oral approved? Yeah. It's essentially... By whom? It's essentially like blue tack that you put in your mouth and then your saliva makes it go hard. Okay, so when we finally get back together, Charles will be missing half a mouth. So I hope you all enjoy that. Because <laughs> it would have got infected with some dodgy shit she's bought off Amazon. Anyway, what am I supposed to do? <clears throat> all of the dentists are closed. We have done one sentence of this chapter so far. Shut up. Uh, so Hermione is eating again. That's all. She's eating again. And then, right. Yeah, so she's all like, the I realise there's better ways of making a stand. No fucking shit, Hermione. <laughs> so all the owls arrive at post. And I realised something for the first time ever reading these books. All the owls arrive at the same time. Why and how? Is there like an owl window which they is magically opened at a certain time and before that all the owls that are early are just waiting at the window like me, me? Or do they all know to get there at a certain time? Like what's happening? So I'm I'm gonna chip in here with another barely relevant story. <laughs> oh for fuck! I'm asking for theories. Um, <laughs> what have you got? An owl once gate crashed me uh uh when i was walking about in my village and then and then i nursed it back to health no but that sounds really cute it does sound really cute actually i'd like an owl yeah anyway carry on this morning basically how my like front door works is that there's like a little like shoe room so you have like two doors to get into the house a bit like if you're on a right. spaceship and you've got the like, like a porch and yeah. um 
Yeah, this morning we discovered that potentially for several hours because that's where the cat flaps in one of the doors and the other door, the inside door, had been shut. And both of our cats were just there stuck in this little, like, shoe room. <gasps> oh, no! So I imagine that's what happens with owls is there's, like, a bit to get into a the holding room. Grave. Yeah, there's, like, a holding room and they're all just sat, like there and like some of them that arrive late are like stuck in this like shoe room for like 24 hours before the next day no see it explicitly says in the text that they come through a window but maybe it's a window into another room where they're in this like Uh, stuck in this holding room because someone forgot to open the other window i mean i can only imagine that because why else would they all arrive at the same time like it's not plausible yeah like i guess Maybe they're just told to go to like the owlery and like chill out. Who tells them they're owls? Maybe <laughs> there's like a king owl, <laughs> the head boy owl, the head owl. Maybe it's just like Snape in a fursuit. <laughs> His owl persona. <laughs> the owls don't make cacanos. Hoot 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 hoot. Hoot hoot, motherfuckers! Don't go in the hall until precisely eight forty-five a.m. Exactly. That's definitely. It's just Snape in that just one big suit. So Harry's oh, really so sad go... because he didn't get a letter from Sirius. It's sad. It's very sad. We don't care, Harry. Everything in your life sucks. At some point, it just loses any kind of emphasis. God, you're gonna really lose it in book five when everything sucks. <gasps> like I get it, Harry, but also like move on. So they go down to herbology. And um, I'm not sure if J.K. Rowling coined the term oddly satisfying, but the words oddly satisfying are in this chapter. Disgusting, but weirdly satisfying. Yeah, because they're squeezing... Yeah, so they're they're squeezing the pus out of, like, bubo-tubers? Bubo-tubers? Like, so we post our notes on Patreon, and I always get, like, really self-conscious because my spelling in them is just, like, I don't even try. Because they're, like, my notes, so I'm just, like, I would just write, like, abbreviations, or I'll just, like, write a word, and I'm like, that that wasn't the right word. But I'm just, like, I leave it, because it's, like for me and then hannah's like can you send me your notes and i'm just like okay i look illiterate like i can spell okay (laughs) i can what you need to do to hide that because i do the same thing nothing is spelt right i do abbreviations for anything but as the patrons have told me many times i have the handwriting of your local doctor as in you can't read it so nobody can read my abbreviations they're just scribbles minor digital notes on my phone so i can't hide it with handwriting but um yeah there's a lot of words in these next like four chapters that i was just like i'm not gonna try I'm literally not going to try. So, uh, patrons, <laughs> when you read this, I'm very sorry. I'm not illiterate. I just could not be bothered. Anyway, so bitch that can't, dumb bitch that can't read. Yeah, dumb bitch that can't read. That will be on merch. So yeah, they're squeezing the pus out of these bubo tubers. It <laughs> sounds like someone's combined Bebo and YouTube. Yeah, Bebo tubers, Bubo tubers, Bubo tubers, Bubo tubers. Yeah, JK describes it as disgusting but oddly satisfying, and I'm just like, did JK mm. Rowling predict spot squeezing in scrams? Yeah, I was actually reading this like, oh, like soap cutting TikToks, literally, or like, yeah, but um, <laughs> and then they're like having a conversation about it because apparently the like pus is used for like acne, acne, and like they just shit on a Louise Midgen. Which is like right? Okay, so there's a bit in this where it says that she tried to curse the spots off. Her nose came off accidentally, so Madame Pomfrey had to reattach it. And unless I'm mistaken, there's a bit later on in the books 
where Ron says he wouldn't go out with Eloise because her nose is off centre. Is this meant to be the joke? Is this meant to be the beginning of the joke that oh her nose is off centre because she tried to curse it off? Like, I've only just put these two things together. Oh, my God. We'll have to check when we get there, but I swear in the Yule Ball yeah. thing... Hermione suggests Eloise Midgets and Ron's like, no, her nose is off centre. I can't believe no one else has ever put that together. Only you would put that together. Well, I, you know, on your 100th read, but yeah. yeah. This, from this book onwards, Eloise Midgen is a running joke because of her spots. And I'm just like... It's so mean. And it's so... It's so mean. It, She's 15. Like, four, no, 14. Yeah. I had... So actually, I didn't get my acne till I was... 16 and then it came in hard it came in so hard i was very very lucky where my skin as a teenager i mean it was dry as sandpaper but just no (laughs) not even like a single spot and then i hit like adults and now it's like still like i'm really really lucky like i still don't get that many spots but now i get far more than a teenager and because i didn't grow up having to cover them up with makeup it's like the one bit of makeup i just can't do so like I get a spot and it's just like there and I also like don't know how to care for it like skincare wise everyone's like don't pop it and I'm like popping spots is literally the only thing that makes me happy um don't take that away from me and like I work in skincare so I read all the stuff about like how bad it is for your skin and I'm just like I'm gonna do it anyway acne's not fun and so many teenage and the thing is they're making fun of it like Eloise is the only one to have acne like bitch please this is a secondary yeah. school all those kids would have ac- like in my school i swear half the kids had acne oh, when yeah. you were like 15 oh yeah without a doubt but like they're just they just constantly shit on her it's like okay like we don't care that you're all like beautiful flawless human beings like shut the fuck up ron like you're ginger Do you know what i find weird though that, <laughs> that was a joke the teenagers how did the teenagers in the film never look like they had spots like obviously there's makeup to cover it up but you can still see the lump and it's not filmed consecutively so like what would have happened if one of the main trio got acne like bad acne i don't know but i think they one they have like the most expensive skincare and they have like a you know professional dermatologist for all of them um they probably, probably would also put them on like roaccutane or whatever it's called oh god that's not fun <laughs> yeah but also i think when they do have like one or two blemishes i think that literally they like cgi it out they wouldn't have in the earlier films yeah but they were like children then they were like pre-puberty yeah i'm just it's kind of lucky that none of them did or maybe they did and they hid it that well i don't know so they all shit on eloise midgen and then they head to hagrid's for care of magical creatures and he has got himself some blast ended scroots i love them they're so bad they suck your blood sting their end blasts off they can do all sorts of other things and they're like shellless lobsters they sound i just relate to them a lot hey guys editing hannah here there was a problem with this bit in the audio my mic cut out for some reason um i think it's just one line and i basically said that i think that hagrid is a bad teacher and that's what started the next discussion i said i thought that he didn't follow any sort of like curriculum and he just did whatever he wanted in lessons and although he's like an amazing character he's a bad teacher and that's where the next please follow on from and he's just a drop that in because otherwise what we talk about next next makes even less sense than it's about to but yeah i said hagrid's a bad teacher i mean yeah he is but he's got a good soul oh obviously he's got a good soul he's a great person but he's not a good teacher like 
I swear this entire book, until the end of the book, every lesson is caring for the blast-ended screws. Like, what about the curriculum, Hagrid? It's literally just, like, babysitting his, like, freakish pets. Oh, my God, that just reminded me, though. So I went to a primary school that was kind of bad. Um, Like, it was, like, this village primary school. It wasn't, like, bad as in bad things happened. They just didn't really teach us anything. (gasps) Was it a weird hippie one? Please tell me it was a weird hippie one. Not officially, but actually... Yeah, the head yeah. teacher played the accordion and his wife played the spoons. Yeah, it was a weird village oh hippie primary school. That gives me life. So anyway, they just... I had we had like a village primary school and it was like the weirdest, like like not an, like an official weird hippie one, but it was just like the guy, the principal was like such a weird hippie. And yeah. oh yeah, we me and my sister didn't get into the school because even though they had like five people per year group, he said that they were maxed out, so he couldn't let us in because he tried to buy the house that my parents bought when we moved there, and like my parents like beat him to it, so he refused to let us into the school. And what? then afterwards, <laughs> after living there for a few years, we realized it was this weird like hippie school where like all of the kids like failed all of their subjects yeah so that was a blessing because i was dyslexic so yeah uh they didn't really teach us anything so the school was only it was similar so the year people find this way when i say it the year groups were mixed mm-hmm. so you had reception in year one together year two on their own year three and year four together and year five and year six together because there were only a hundred pupils pupils in the whole school and we didn't really learn there wasn't an official curriculum we used to just spend like weeks on projects and one of the projects for a week was we all went and found it was because a boy in our class he'd got those like big giant african snails as a pet ew you know those yeah so he brought them in for like show and tell and then we all got obsessed with them so our teacher made us go out and find snails and then an entire week of the school year was spent keeping our snails alive question you yeah. then went on to a grammar school how did yeah. you pass your 11 plus so that's that's first school i went to was not in the catchment area and we moved so that we could be inside the catchment area and i moved school i changed schools in the easter holidays of year five so i only did a year and a month year and two months in my second primary school so not very long i never really settled in and i arrived there and my teacher at the time said uh to my mum she will never get into the grammar school she's so stupid <laughs> because i didn't know anything but i didn't yeah. know like i was smart like i could read but i didn't know my times tables i didn't know uh oh i still don't really know what a verb a noun and adjective is because i never did the lesson wow. so i've always just pretended i know Oh, when I don't. Um, but I, I can't really do times tables. I can't really do maths inside my own head. Um, but I just, um, I, I knew my parents had moved to get me into a grammar school. So I just worked really, really, really hard for a year and then got in. Wow, that's really impressive. And now I'm going to translate that for everyone not British <laughs> listening to this. So primary school is a school that you attend from five until 11 year five you would be nine to ten nine or ten um grammar school is basically they don't exist in most of england now but they exist in like certain parts and they are a type of secondary school where it is free to go to but you have to pass an exam called the 11 plus to get into it and there's something that i really really disagree with the existence of Um, same (laughs) 
it used <laughs> after going to one <laughs> yeah it used to be that like that was the schooling system you either went to like um like a 11 plus public or a comprehensive school where it was just like yeah quite like vocational and looked down on or you went to a grammar school if you were deemed smart aka yeah middle class or if you were like upper middle class or upper class you went to a private school where you paid yeah um but luckily they've for the most part done away with that system um but yeah hannah went to a grammar school i went to a normal like is it state school like is that what no we call them just comprehensives yeah but um yeah so i went to just like a normal comprehensive um but yeah i really disagree with grammar schools they shouldn't be a thing i'm really glad that they're not a thing where i grew up no, I don't, I don't, I mean, I've been through the system and I don't agree with them. Like, I got a really, really good standard of education without my parents paying anything. And, it, like, I'm really fortunate in that sense, but I really don't agree with the system because what it leaves is 70% of the people in that area going to a school where you've cut off the top pupils, therefore you've cut off all the top funding, you've cut off the teachers who want to teach the smart kids, you've cut off... I mean the variety you've lit and you're literally like deeming that other school to yeah failure and being the bad school so it's yeah. and then and it's- grammar schools just try to be like university like they were like if you're not going to go to one of the top universities we don't want to know you they kicked one of my fr- they didn't let one of my friends sit his exams through the school because his mock exam grades were so bad that they didn't want them to appear on their official ta- uh, their official league table that's disgusting um so they made him pay to take his exams yeah. separately and that's that's the thing it's not even about that they are teaching the smart kids the reason that they get better grades is because of things like that i think when you're testing students in this 11 plus when they're literally like 11 years old that is no indication of their ability like when i was 11 i couldn't read and i couldn't write because i was dyslexic but i consider myself to be someone like i do think that i'm very intelligent i think that i was always like quite behind in school academically um because i had such a late start with my dyslexia and then also like because dyslexia is like quite weird or at least my experience of it when i'm stressed it comes back very badly so i don't test well because i will literally sit down in a test not be able to spell and i'm not using that as an excuse but genuinely like i got good grades but i got good grades despite my dyslexia but i know that i'm someone that is very smart and i did really really well in my degree and i've done well in my career since but had i been tested at 11 years old there's no way i would have remotely passed the 11 plus so oh yeah and they're also incredibly yeah there's also this incredible bias going into them where if you live in one of the counties and that's not a lot of the time that isn't by choice it's just the county you live in where they have them there's a pressure for you to go so parents who have the money pay for their children to get tutoring and therefore that's completely ruining the system where it's meant to be based on just the child's abilities Mm -hmm. because the parents with more money are paying for tutoring whereas there are parents who have don't have the money and resources to be able to do that so therefore their kids are at more of a disadvantage so you're literally setting up a semi-private educational system the whole thing's stupid this was a really long tangent about yeah, schools exactly I've got... where did that come from oh i say my first primary school was a hippy dippy school yeah i've got two more things to add to the tangent i'm sorry i hope that people are finding it interesting but i think <laughs> they're not everyone switched off <laughs> no because i think i think it's interesting to hear about different like i love hearing about the american school system i, do, I, I do. find it wild but um one state schools are disgusting a family that i know actually moved from i can't remember where they were living um but they moved like from several hours away to suffolk 
um, because they didn't want to have their kids go through the state school system because they knew that they wouldn't get in and would get a lesser education. So they actually moved here to be closer to us. And then another thing, and this is a more uh, amusing anecdote, my mum is... (laughs) one of the most intelligent people I know but not at all academically she has no common sense she is such an idiot in a lot of ways she is not an academic person and her parents lied to her and told her that she they never let her see her 11 plus results and they just said you passed but unfortunately the local grammar school was is full so you can't go and my mum I mean but that that is a thing there's a pass grade but obviously it depends on the amount of children that pass so yeah, the pass grade doesn't mean you're in my mum didn't there's no way in hell i love her she is so smart but not academically and um <laughs> my mum believed this lie until like her mid-20s when one day my oh, dad no. who went to a grammar school was like polly no that's not real that didn't happen <laughs> That's so mean because then she would have gone to her secondary school being like, yeah, I passed, but they were full. Yeah. (laughs) No. Oh my God, that's so mean. My poor mum. Yeah. Anyway, Harry Potter. Harry Potter. So after lunch, they have transfi... No, transfigure... Why have I written after lunch, they have transfiguration, they're doing astrology. I meant divination. Clearly I meant divination. And they're doing astrology. So they're doing their birth planet position i know nothing about astrology like literally no, nothing. nothing but it seems to be legit what astrology is because they're mapping like where the planets were at the time of their birth yeah. to predict they're doing what their is going to happen basically they're doing their birth charts so me and charlie decided yeah we decided to do our birth charts the issue being <laughs> that we have no fucking clue what this is so i put out a plea on my instagram story asking what the fuck a birth chart is and how to do one a lovely girl called as that i work with replied so she recommended us the app sanctuary the reason we're doing this is because we've started this thing now doing what they're doing in divination and we find it really fun so i hope you guys find it fun we've already started writing down our dreams for the dream diary section we have Um... although i have left that notebook in london so uh well we better hope that doesn't come up or start writing down some more yeah i'm gonna start writing down some more so, so according yeah, to yeah we download an app yeah and according to as this is the explanation of a uh, birth chart thing she says so basically your sun sign in brackets capricorn because that's mine and hers is not the only thing that makes up your personality your birth chart tells you where exactly all the planets were at your exact time of birth e.g venus was in pisces or whatever and each planet defines a different part of who you are so apparently basically all of the planets are in different places when you're born and that apparently makes different things about your personality so me and hannah are going to talk about our sun our moon and our rising because otherwise we would be doing this forever and they're the like three i've heard of actually before the others like mercury and aquarius venus and sagittarius i don't know what any of that is but i've heard of sun moon and rising yeah so hannah when were you born i was born on the 25th of january 1995 at 11 13 a.m i texted my parents my dad said around 10 past 11 my mum then texted back with 13 minutes past and my dad said at least i got 10 past 11 from memory your mum had to look it up so i think i started an argument yeah brilliant yeah i started when were you born 
full on like family breakdown because I have asked this question before and I've always been told 10 a.m. And then I asked it again and my mum said 11 p.m. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, first of all, I need to the minute. And second of all, you're definitely confusing your children. And then ha- Harriet, my sister, was like, no. I'm 11pm. It got really, really complicated. Essentially, at one point, my mum was like, no, definitely, you were like a few minutes past 11. She thought I was like 11.07 or something. Right. Um, And she was like, the reason that I know this is because your dad was really, really sad because all of the pubs were closed. (laughs) So he couldn't... What, was he going to go after the Yes, he was literally going to go, I've just had a daughter, I'm going to the pub. Uh brilliant yeah so then we went on a quest to try and find my birth certificate because Mm. to find the actual date and my parents have just moved so a lot of stuff is still in boxes because even though they moved in like december they're very very lazy and um we literally looked all over the house and their organizational systems really really stressed me out and they literally have like a drawer for things like yamaha but not a single drawer that's like children (laughs) so basically we couldn't find it for the longest time and then we found my sister's birth book and then my mum realized in front of me that she never made one for me because i'm the second what what are those red books yeah and you never had a i thought they were hospital given the red books they might have been but i think my mum probably didn't fill it in and then threw it away (laughs) because it was her second child so she didn't care so we found my sisters and confirmed that my sister was born at three minutes past 11 p.m so then mum was like okay you were definitely born at like 10 a.m and then she was like okay i think it was seven minutes past 10 she's like pretty sure it was seven minutes past 10 and then we found my birth certificate eventually and it doesn't have the time written on it no i said go find your birth certificate and then i was like birth certificates don't have the time on it's those books did you know in that book i found out and also my mom likes to tell this so they record like in your first six months or when you were born your height and like weight and size and obviously obviously all of it like that and then they like track it by babies born in the country and what how they grow up into like how tall you're gonna be and stuff and stuff like that and for length in my first six months i was in the 90th percentile so they predicted throughout the first like six months to a year of my life that i would be six foot three wow because i was i was an i was a very underweight but long baby my dad said i wasn't one of those (laughs) cute chubby babies i it was like they'd birthed some sort of bean some sort of like oh no runner bean like not one of these people be like oh baby oh it's not cute it's kind of weirdly thin and long (laughs) wow how tall are you i'm only five six i'm not tall i'm very averagely heighted (laughs) i feel like this is just gonna be the episode we've talked about harry potter the least i am yes it's because we're not together anymore (laughs) yeah so we're doing like all our catching up here i'm just gonna crack open another off-brand strongbow you're gonna go first because you're the eldest so you are a capricorn i am your sun sign determined by the position of the sun at the time of your birth is a key astrological entry point this is the essence of your chart and can influence the way in which other planetary energies are expressed so then there's a little graphic and it says sun sun sign wow represents your sense of self and your primary concerns and you see it in your life balance your instincts and what drives you 
Okay, so it's like your mate, like your surface level stuff. Yeah. So symbolized okay. by the sea goat. That is such a like. I love sea goat. Don't get me. I I love goats. Goats are cute. Would be really happy if it was just goat. But sea goat. What the fuck is sea this? goat? Capricorn is an earth sign, and its ruling planet is Saturn. I don't know what this shit means. My like good signs are responsible and humorous. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, you are those on a good day, yeah. Yeah, and then my bad is detached and pessimistic. Yeah, you you are those on a bad day, yeah. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Okay, so my sun sign is Aquarius, symbolised by the water barrier. Aquarius is an air sign, which I've never understood. Why is it an air sign? It's Aquarius. That's, yeah. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. And its ruling planet is Uranus. Yeah, it is. Good. So on my good side, I have visionary and progressive. Yeah. Would you say I'm visionary and progressive? Yeah. And on my bad side, I have author- authoritarian and inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she just like stared at me like, yeah. On a good day, Aquarian energy is inventive, free thinking and revolutionary. Sure. Ooh. On a bad day, watch out for detachment. Yes. Yeah. Mixed signals, arguments, and authoritarianism. I hate to say it, that is quite you. In your birth chart, your moon sign represents your inner world and emotional framework used to navigate through life. So it represents your emotional world and your self-care. You see it in your private thoughts, your vulnerable moments, and your reactions to the world. So my moon is a Leo. So it says the moon in fixed in fiery Leo expresses itself in dynamic and and theatrical ways. I can't talk. So the good is creative and charismatic. I wouldn't call myself charismatic. I'm definitely creative, but I don't think. And then the bad is (laughs) dramatic and selfish. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but also like who isn't? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you say this and you're like, that's so you. And it's like, who isn't it? Yeah, like, we're human beings. We're all, like, selfish at times. Yeah. A natural leadership ability is often found in those with displacement. They have a penchant for nurturing themselves and others by learning to be ferocious and proud. A Leo moon holds others to a specific standard of expectations when it comes to how they are treated. In both platonic and romantic bonds, the Leo moon dedicates their emotional energy to loved ones and are deeply devoted individuals with a leo moon need to feel seen and acknowledged make a leo moon feel admired with a little flirtation or attention and you'll be on your way to basking in the glow of the pride on a good day leo moon shines with charisma and joy uh, vibrance and energy is spread to those who are lucky enough to spe- share space with Leo Moon. Okay, so far I agree with most of this, aside from like charisma, vibrance, and energy. <laughs> <laughs> so I you do- agree with the bad points, but not the good. Yes. Okay. I don't know if that's like a reflection on my like self-esteem or whatever, but you know we won't read into it. On a rough day, I think you're charismatic. I think I'm annoying. On a rough day, a Leo moon may turn their generous energy into a vortex of drama that revolves around them. I love that phrasing, vortex of drama. I think, of drama. I think I'm Get gonna, that on a t-shirt. Yeah, I'm going to spend more time now trying to create a vortex of drama. <laughs> their ego may run unchecked and burn 
out others around them. Tell me about your moon, Hannah. Okay, so I have a Scorpio moon. Individuals with a Scorpio moon can talk about the dark, darkest parts of their life with ease. No, I don't think that's true. I'm good at not talking about things. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you just, I know nothing about you. <laughs> so Scorpio moons are intuitive and strong, but also secretive and manipulative i wouldn't say you're manipulative i would say i'm secretive i wouldn't personally say i'm manipulative because i think you're a really weird one where you're very very like guarded and like hard to read but you're also quite like straightforward and honest like you're not manipulative you're just completely like it's a really weird like contradiction of like you you don't display emotion aside from when you do but then it's like real and i feel like to manipulate you need to like lie and mislead and you don't do that to my knowledge maybe you're just really good at it maybe i'm such a good liar you don't know so nothing is off the table and this moon placement comes to life when they comes to life when they can explore the depths emotions are often felt intensely sometimes even obsessively a Scorpio moon's openness can also help others feel safe and able to share. This moon sign can be a natural gifted healer to others. Scorpio moons need relationships built on trust where deep conversations can take place at any time. The moon does not do well with bottling things up. <laughs> on a good day, a Scorpio moon is fiercely protective of their loved ones and will put up a wall of strength to provide comfort. They nurture by keeping themselves and their loved ones safe and by being a guide to guide to the darkness in other people on a rough day this moon sign can hold on to a grudge like no other even long after the offender has moved on or has no idea what they did wrong yes <laughs> forgive and forgetting is a challenge yeah so you're definitely... i would say there's things of that that are really inaccurate like yeah. i'm not that much of an open person at all no you're not but you do hold a grudge i do hold a grudge and i would say that I am protective. Yeah. I protect. Interesting. And now rising. So my rising is Aquarius. So Oh hello. Hello. I was gonna say, like, I find it weird that none of ours are like the same. Because we are very like similar, but then maybe we're not similar in like the right ways. So your rising sign or ascendant is determined by your birth time, date and location. This sign is the essence of your external projections and how others see you. Ah, so this is how I see you. This is the one I get insecure about. <laughs> so this represents your per perspective and your decisions. You see it in your style, your embellishments and your daily choices. So this uh, is what makes you dye your hair blue? Yeah, or green okay. as it currently is. Those with an Aquarius rising are most comfortable behind the scenes. They're most effective when they can observe others. So the good is authentic and fair. And the... <laughs> <laughs> the bad is sarcastic and moody yep i'd yep. say that's all correct authentic yep. fair sarcastic and moody <laughs> big mood big big mood their powers of observation foster a sharp intellect bringing them unusually strong intuitive gif gifts don't know if that's right um an aquarius rising wants to understand the patterns of life anticipate the patterns of the future yeah the aquarius rising sparkles in a way that may confuse some but will delight most i sparkle like sparkle edward cullen 
<laughs> like a vampire in the sunlight. Uh, at a party, everyone notices the Aquarius rising, even while they try to hide in the background. <laughs> You'll be sure to find a few in environments where guests are encouraged to let their freak flag fly. No. Freak flag fra- 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 Freak flag fly. Yeah, big note to to that last one but um fine again i feel like a lot of these are so general that it's like a 50 50 well that's the thing isn't it like yeah very general okay so i am an aries rising an aries rising may be seen as competitive and daring they'll be excited when presented with new opportunities so the good are daring and vibrant and the bad are reckless and naive the rising sign loves to pioneer their ideas and carve out their own path in the world. Independence is key. I am quite an independent person. Very. I, I, I'm, <laughs> like, you're, you're very. <laughs> if you're an Aries rising, harnessing creative potential and championing your passions will lead to a vibrant, healthy future. Yeah, I have. Yeah, creative. Sure, sure, sure. At a party, you can picture an Aries rising as the competitive athlete who shows up with stories <laughs> of their latest big win. Athlete. No. <laughs> no. No. No, I am not an athlete. I am competitive though. I am competitive, but not You're in you're an competitive way, but... in a monopoly way. <laughs> Yeah, like you're not, you would never be the person there like bragging and like talking about their like achievements. No, I'm like, I don't talk about wins. Like I find it <laughs> at parties. I'm like, do you want to hear this story of this time I fucked up really badly? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And Aries Rising has a game for everyone to play and their conversations are vibrant and opinionated. I do like games. I do like people yeah. playing games. And I am opinionated. They're always ready to make the fun last all night long with anyone who can get on their level. They're making me sound a bit like a jock, and I'm not a jock. I think you have certain jock energy. Like a nerdy jock? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was um, bullshit. What? No, it was really great. And um, <laughs> yeah, where is our A star in divination? Thank you very yeah, much. Seriously, uh... thank you, Professor. Uh, Trelawney. Anyway, back to the real lesson. Everyone that so, uh, we might have to put in the description, like, the times to skip if you hate astrology. Okay, so Ron gets some of his funniest lines oh, in the book, in I, the next three pages. Yeah. Like, the, my next page not is just, just Ron. I love Ron. I love Ron. Ron, 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 Ron. Yeah, but not just Ron. Like, this entire, entire chapter is just some of the funniest ones, and one of the ones that just has, like, there's, like, two lines in particular that are just, like, absolutely, like, iconic i remember cry laughing at bits of this book so let's go first one that ron gets is harry's talking about a planet or something he's like what's this i don't know what this planet is and ron is like ah when neptune about is in the house it's a sure sign that midget in glasses is about to be born It's just, it, it, I think it's funny because it's so real. Like so much of the Harry Potter books is like talking about the plot. And then you get these moments which are just so like friends bantering with each other that it just, it just comes across really, really funny. And then two lines later, Lavender is like, I think I've got two moons. And Jelani is like, no dear, that's Uranus. And Ron goes, can I have a look at Uranus, Lavender? It's so basic. I love it. It's literally like, I re- remember as a child, absolutely dying at this i think both yep. of these lines are very much off the time i think like the oh, midget yeah. in glasses one is not like very pc now at all no it goes not without PC saying now. but and then the uranus one i just love it because it feels very real and a lot of the time with harry potter 
it doesn't feel real but i think with a lot of a lot of media it's struggles with dialogue yeah no i know i i think harry potter has always done well with the dialogue but i think obviously as i was saying like a lot of the dialogue is based off the plot and these natural forms of dialogue which is just character building always feel can have a tendency to feel quite unnatural but this this section doesn't because i literally remember having my astronomy lessons not astrology lessons in um physics and like i remember being this age and the can i have a look at uranus jokes coming up Mm -hmm. it is classic school humor yeah like for sure like i think that like harry potter in general does really really well with their dialogue a lot of things sometimes like you're reading stuff and you're just like or you're watching something you're like people don't talk like this just write how people talk and harry potter normally does do well with it but at the same time because it's normally about like what's happening you don't get a lot of this like just normal like conversations and ron being a teenage boy going can i have a look at uranus is just it just makes it feel real because you're just like ron is that like ginger lad in your class who's always having a laugh and making that kind of like kind of pervy gross comment like and also i love it because it's just like later on he does have a look at her anus way way because it's lavender lavender oh oh it's i love it i Uh, love ron yeah harry also gets his iconic line when professor prof t as i keep referring to her in my notes because i can't spell her name um is talking about she's like oh like you're, you've got such dark hair and you're so like, I don't know, she says like... Your mean stature. She says mean, mean stature. stature. Does that mean he's short? Yeah, she's like... <laughs> Is everyone just calling Harry a short ass in this chapter? Yeah, she's like, oh, I can tell like you were definitely born in winter. And he's like, no, I was born, I was in, born July. in July. <laughs> <laughs> Which has just always been like one of my favourite lines. I just like, yeah. whenever we I've get sassy Harry... I've forgotten that these were all together. Yeah, whenever we get sassy Harry, I just love it. This is just like sassy the sass Harry. chapter. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. I for- Because then, so then we move on to, they come down to the entrance hall and uh, Malfoy comes out of the dungeons reading an embarrassing article about Ron's dad, the entire entrance hall. Mm-hmm. Harry turns around, he's trying to pull Ron away and Malfoy fires a curse at Harry's back. Harry turns back, but Moody has walked along and has transfigured Malfoy. <laughs> into a ferret yeah see i love that you're so so descriptive because even though i now do write plot notes yours is like that and then mine is draco is a little cunt and then in caps (laughs) moody turns him into a ferret (laughs) oh it's and then he bounces the ferret hilarious don't get me wrong absolutely hilarious classic love it loved it everything blah, blah, blah. but now let's have like the serious conversation about this that if we're gonna do what we do and take things with harry potter overly serious and forget that it's <laughs> a kid's book that isn't real fine not only th- would this be bad from a teacher because at the end of the day he's hurting him and there's a line when he um after he gets transfigured back by mcgonagall that like draco is like rubbing himself like he's in pain so like yeah it he's literally like bouncing him and causing him harm which like teachers ideally shouldn't do you know Um, in an ideal world but that's like bad enough but i think we have to like remember about the background behind barty crouch jr and the fact that what he went to azkaban for was torturing people 
and that yeah. was that's kind the thing. of it's his like thing. not something a teacher would do but this isn't moody and it isn't a teacher it's a death eater yeah so when you think about the fact that this guy has like a history of torturing people and he is now transfiguring someone into an animal so that he can violently bounce them up and down causing them actual real pain to their like animal and human form um it's less funny yeah i mean we find it funny because it's draco but if it was like a random second year who he'd just done it to it's not yeah. funny <laughs> it's, it's like it's low-key torture it's just like him getting his kicks how he can now i also don't understand how this like didn't clue dumbledore and mcgonagall into the fact that maybe it wasn't moody because moody i a think lot of because things, moody's but... random yeah but i don't think he in a harmful way at all i mean um, we don't know that's the thing we don't actually get much insight into the real moody so we don't. we don't know but i like to think that they wouldn't associate themselves with someone that would do this i just it doesn't to me this doesn't feel like moody i feel like moody is a lot of like strange erratic things but he's yeah. not a ferret bouncer but then we get another great line of from that you make me cackle which is like shut up hermione I'm trying to ingrain it in my memory forever. Yeah. There's Malfoy, the amazing bouncing ferret. (laughs) There's also another line before this that I really, really love. And it's so random, but it's the bit where, and I didn't write down which one it was, but like, crab slash goyle (laughs) tried to pick the ferret up. Just like before he like starts bouncing it, just one of them is just like, okay, our friend's just being transformed into a ferret. Let I'm me gonna pet take it. the little ferret. It's just like, oh, I feel like it's so pure from them. Just like, what would you do if your friend was just transformed into an animal before you? I mean, I would pick it up in case it got trampled. Like, I wouldn't want it to get yeah. kicked. I just find it really sweet. They're just like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pick up Draco. <laughs> I just, I thought it was. Oh, cute. the whole scene is so. Anyway, we after like an hour finally reached. We we finished the chapter. That that's the end of the chapter. And now on to chapter fourteen. Wait, the... well we only are we only on one shit. Do I need another drink? Okay, chapter fourteen. Unforgivable curses. Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. So it's Thursday now. Before it was Monday. Have you noticed term always starts on a Monday? Stupid. Anyway. <laughs> you get so passionate about such dumb things term can't always start on a monday anyway it's thursday and it's time for their first defense against the dark arts lesson which they've all been waiting for because apparently moody knows whatever that means he just knows so moody admits straight away that he's only there for one year so we already know straight away he's only going to stay a year mm-hmm. continue the theme of one year teachers and that he's going to be teaching them curses. Yeah, so they're all really, really excited to have their first lesson with him. And he announces that he's going to be teaching them the unforgivable curses. Mm-hmm. Because that's a sensible, not at all bad thing to do. I have a couple of questions. One, he says that him and Dumbledore decided this. Surely that has to be real because otherwise Dumbledore would hear about it and be like, bro, what the fuck? Yeah, no, Moody, the real Moody, would have taught them unforgivable curses 100%. But then... Because, if anything, it's not in the fake Moody's interest to teach, like, the Imperius curse and teach Harry to, to be able to throw it off. Like, that's a real Moody thing. Yeah, but then the trying them on later, of obviously not the trying them on, like it's an outfit. 
the 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 trying the curses on the students that 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 I is still a, yeah. think that's a, I still think that's a real moody thing I do because I think he's right that how are they meant to learn to block them I mean like it's a safe environment it's a school it's meant to be obviously this isn't a safe environment because he's literally a death eater but if it was the real moody it's meant to be a safe environment where they can learn to do something that they might need in later night life safely and I think. I think maybe Dumbledore didn't know he was going to do it on the fourth years, but I don't think it's unreasonable for like the sixth years. I don't. I think I disagree. I think that in theory that sounds fine, but I think at the end of the day, like he's a teacher, he's someone in like a position of like power and influence over them, and he should mm. not literally be having the ability to like kind of see within their brains and control them. Mm. Like, no, just but no. But it's like, like how else? are you meant to learn to throw it off like but, i think that i think there's like i think there's arguments either side and i, I think agree that it's like quite the invasive i think you can teach the theory because i think that just having said okay this this teacher has permission to put a spell on his students to allow him to control them just opens up like a world of issues in terms of then like where is the line with that because you could like he could literally do anything like you know it wouldn't be okay obviously with a female teacher but particularly like he's a male teacher like if he's gonna like kind of like possess the female students and control them and make them do things like where is the line with that and if he were to then abuse that power like if you have given him permission like yeah do you know what i mean like I, i think it's just like it's in like i can completely understand that like the logic behind it in principle but i think like in practice it's just like a ah yeah i think i think it is definitely a aha thing 100 and i think there's like ways to get around like as in i think if they were gonna do it it should be more supervised by other teachers and like be in much larger group lessons and things like that but i do still think it's in keeping with the real moody because at the end of the day hogwarts keeps employing people who are not trained teachers yeah this is why in this country (laughs) teachers have to go through training you can't just get any tom dick or harry who was good at something to teach it it it's a weird one because although technically you don't pay to go to Hogwarts, like Hogwarts very much has like a private school structure in the yeah, way that it like it operates. So yeah, the teachers wouldn't have to be qualified if we're assuming it's a private school. It's it's I mean it's just ridiculous that they don't have any teaching standards, but yeah. fine. So but- he has three spiders to show the curses. And he like asks who knows what curse so the first one is the imperious curse which ron is the one to know what it is and it means total control of someone so he shows that on the spider then next is the cruciatus curse which neville volunteers the uh information moody then crucios the spider which is pretty horrible and hermione has to tell him to stop because she's the one watching neville and neville is clearly stricken he's really upset which is our first hint that something is going on with neville that we don't understand or know about but so this leads me kind of my second question is did moody do this to all of the year groups or did he save it for the one class that he knew that there were two people in there Mm. that would be triggered by these spells Um, I think he did it for all of them because I think he's specifically there to teach curses, but I think he designed it knowing with that class in mind and just repeated the instance for the other classes. And then I want to open up a conversation around are 
Death Eaters psychopaths because here's the thing we know that they're like an organization of racists and that is something that very much like exists within society yeah we have many many examples of not only just individual racists but them forming groups getting organized doing all the horrible horrific shit that they do however there is although obviously being racist is like a horrible vile thing and like don't be that don't do that there is a large difference between like being a racist and then like torturing murdering blah 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 people because of their race or whatever you know whatever thing you're you're being bigoted against because obviously you you have people like you have like the people in the Ku Klux Klan who would lynch people um yeah you do have like murderers murderers and you you know people that do hate crimes against um marginalized groups like obviously you do have that however that's taking into account the fact that it's like part of like wider society like our society there's like millions and millions and millions and millions of people so like you're gonna get those like I mean, bad eggs seems like a too light a term, but when you think about the wizarding society and how small it is and how few wizards there are, I mean, we've gone into detail in the past, but when there's so few wizards and then you actually have like this reasonably large group of Death Eaters who are okay with torturing and murdering people, it is such a significant percentage of society for them you know it's yeah. it it's you know it's a tiny society but you still have all of these people and is there something about like being a wizard and having magical powers that makes you more susceptible because you have to be like a i don't know the proper medical term but some kind of psychopath or something you, you know to do that and not only the fact that he is like tortured and murdered people but now that he he's using that he's now in front of the son of two people that he has tortured and he's then using that knowledge to then kind of you know torture the son and trigger the son and it's just like yeah he he's a psychopath or a whatever the fuck the t- correct term would be but i yeah. just it seems like there's so many of them in wizarding society and it's just like is there something about being a wizard that makes you more i don't know so i think in book seven it's better explained that there's like levels of supporting voldemort you've got like his death eaters are actually only the inner sanctum and as we find out when they're like counted in book four there's actually only like 30 of them total but he has a lot more followers who are not death eaters so we know there's hundreds of followers but only his inner circle his most loyal people get branded with yeah the dark mark but that's so i think still like if you're talking in terms of percentages like that's kind of similar that like the followers are like people who are just racist and bigoted who who believe in things and then this small percentage are the ones who want to actually commit acts and even within that you have people who do and don't want to commit acts like obviously barty crouch jr is you know psychopathic like lucius malfoy it never seems from the text like he enjoys causing pain he just likes power and influence i don't think he enjoys causing pain similar to draco malfoy he doesn't he's not psychopathic in that way he's just controlling but he knows like he is i mean he's more than complicit he knows what's going on oh yeah he's still a part of it and i think that has you have to be a degree of like a psychopath or whatever to be okay with that and i would also argue that like his wider followers like the potentially hundreds of people that Mm. as well I mean, it's kind of hard because, in my opinion, 
like in the uk if you vote for the conservative party you're complicit in murder you're voting for murderers but i can understand that that is people don't perceive it like yeah they're responsible for the deaths of like thousands potentially millions of like disabled and marginalized people but i get that that that's like less in your face and it's like part of like you know education and knowledge around that but everyone knew what voldemort was doing everyone knew that that he was going around and murdering and torturing people so how could his followers i think even if you're not the ones doing the act it still takes like a a a level of not normalness psychologically to be okay with that i you say that and i i agree with you but i think you're forgetting how many things people are complicit in ignoring like if you look at this country we will you know people in this money will give so much and donate so much when there's a cause that is in this country but when it's a cause that is in a country that they don't know much about and they don't respect the culture they will turn a blind eye and it's not because they're psychopathic in any way it's a lack of education it's a lack of understanding and empathy with different cultures and i think that's a similar thing like muggles and muggleborns are seen as a different culture in the society so it's this complicity of turning a blind eye and being like yeah i don't like them like i've never had good dealings with them so i don't really care i'm just going to ignore it and i think there's different levels Mm. of it but i think you're right in that there's like a lot of bad people in the wisdom world but i think that's because their society has been built so badly that you get more bad people because their education system is so corrupt they never learn about muggles in the educational system they're never taught to respect them so therefore you get more people that are morally corrupt on the issue yeah that's a really good point i think the point around culture is really good because they might see it as much as like a different country and i think there's that feeling of like otherness um, yeah. which is like an incorrect feeling about how people feel but i still feel like there there is a difference between like inaction and action and it's one thing to be think oh i'm not gonna donate to this charity or vote for this political party because you kind of don't see the connection between that and yeah whatever's going on in different cultures um or even demographics but I think actively voting for a party which you know is going around murdering and torturing individuals and and in such like a small and close-knit community as mm. a wizarding community where probably those people that they're going around torturing and killing are people that you've met before or like know people who know. Yeah. I just think it's like a different thing. Like I couldn't imagine it. Like it, it's just like voting for the Tories but like extreme mode. <laughs> <laughs> like voting for the BNP. Yeah, or UKIP. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of fucked up people, but I just think, I mean, we know the Wizarding Society is just, like, fucked up from the core, just yeah. the way they run everything. It's the kind of thing, like, I get really jealous of those people that go and do, like, Harry Potter degrees or, like, degrees that allow them to do, like, I would love to write a paper all about, like, the oh, systemic issues within the Wizarding Society that makes it so, like, open to these kind of, like, horrible, like, um, bigotries and, like, no one's uh, saying you can't go back and study that. I very much could, but like, should I? Should I have? Yes, <laughs> you should. It would be helpful to this pod. I would love to. Yeah. So then the last curse is Avada Kedavra. And it's so Moody actually does it in front of the class, start off, which is like, okay, fine. You've, I mean, it's, 
like i was like oh but then i'm like it's a spider like people stand on spiders that's not that uncommon but it's the act of like using a killing curse it's like the same as shooting a gun in front of a class like it yeah. is the intention behind it's it it's very different to just like putting on one doc martin and just like squish squish yeah i mean is it that different though that's the thing i'm like it's very different is it that different i know i'm going to kill it i don't personally stamp on spiders but if i put a shoe on to stamp a spider i am aware i am killing that spider like i have a mentality behind killing that spider yeah is it that different to shoot a spell at it yeah it, it's not really it's not but that's why <laughs> we should, like, yeah. no. <laughs> that's why we should all be calling on our boyfriends or our dads to get the cup and paper and throwing them out the window. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry, that was very is... sexist of me. <laughs> the description is really vivid of Avada Kedavra. It describes it as a great rushing sound, which I think is such a good description because on one hand, it could be like the rush of death approaching, but on the other hand, it could be the rush. The rushing sound could be the sound of life leaving the body. Mm-hmm. Like the body is left behind, but the I mean, Harry Potter, the world has souls. So the soul or the essence of the person is leaving the body and the rush could be either. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really, really cool I also just like the idea of like spells having like a sound. And a yeah, sound that saying, isn't just like, be silent. pow, pow, pow. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Or, or like, a, yeah, like a Star Wars, like... <laughs> so all three will get you a life sentence in Azkaban, which on one hand, yeah. On the other hand... This this society really needs to stop throwing life sentences around. <laughs> Especially with, like, no trial. Yeah, like, also, it, like, do you mean life sentence as in life till death? Or do you mean life sentence as it means in the real world where life as in 30 years? Like, what, do, what does a life sentence mean? Someone explain to me. I feel like it's definitely, like, until death. Until death, yeah. So they leave the lesson and run into Neville, who's clearly in terrible shock. There's something clearly wrong yeah, with him. Yeah, he, and... he's been triggered at the end of the yeah. day, like, of course. But and Moody comes up and he sees, the, you know, Neville obviously having a Not moment, okay. understandably freaking out. And then he turns to Harry and he's like, he asks him if he's okay. And yeah. I think this is the first sign that we get that Moody is testing Harry. Moody is trying to get the size of him and work out what he's like as an opponent and trying to find his weaknesses and his strengths and just like get the measure of him he doesn't ask him are you okay because he's concerned he's like are you okay because he's curious because harry looks fine and he's like why isn't this dude because i feel like there's very harry where he looks like he's fine and then like internally he's melting down so here's the thing i have this long-held suspicion that J.K. Rowling wrote half the book before deciding that Moody was Polyjuice the whole time. Because I know from interviews that she did have to, she got three quarters of the way through this book and then it was delayed because she found a major plot hole within her own writing and had to go backwards to the point where that had first occurred and work it forwards. Like there was this whole plot line about like a cousin of someone who was in Slytherin like, you can read up on it. It's, uh, there's bits of it online that people have tried to piece together. I just think that when Moody, the real Moody, comes in later, he's so similar to the Moody at the beginning of this book. And there are so few hints throughout this book. Like, okay, so this book is my favourite. I've said this loads of times. But the big problem with this book is the plot twist is impossible to work out. It's not like the other books where you can get hints along the way. It's impossible to work out from an outside perspective. I don't think 
anyone could work out. You could maybe be like, yeah, there's something wrong with Moody, but you could never guess he's Barty Crouch's son. Like that's, Barty Crouch isn't mentioned until two thirds of the way through the book. And I have this suspicion that J.K. Rowling changed the plot and then was like, oh, if he's in Polyjuice the whole time, I can make that work. It's a strong suspicion of mine. I, I really, really like that. I like it. And I like it not only because I just like it as a theory, but because like I read this to me and it stands out really, really glaringly as he's testing him. He's he's trying right. to work out him as an opponent. But I also just like that that could be anything. That's just like how you read a text. Like when you know what's going to happen, you're like looking yeah. for those things. So I like the idea that something that's so clear to me actually could just be completely wrong. Or maybe, yeah. or maybe she still did do the rewrite and she rewrote this in to make it apparent on a second read that he's trying to work him out but yeah i do just i like that bit there's another bit coming up i don't know if it's this chapter or one of the next ones um but there is another bit coming up as well where you're like moody's testing him he's trying to get the measure of harry potter i like that interpretation too because i really struggle with moody because i i kind of see him as the real moody throughout the book yeah i like that interpretation that he's testing harry because it it makes me question my own interpretation of moody they go down and then like ron's like raving about moody. so tactless oh it's awful he's just like so impressed and he's talking about how like cool of our dove is and then he's, he's like just, and then like, they just snuffed it and then hermione's like would you stop what the fuck is wrong with you and then he's just like really quiet you're just like oh my god ron you why you fucking idiot like ser- no it's so tactless sometimes it's actually hilarious it's like his brain my mum used to say it to me sometimes when i just blurt things out she's like your brain doesn't think through things before the words come out of your mouth yeah big mood big mood but uh yes never awful 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 so then so then they go back to the gryffindor tower and neville is back in the gryffindor tower he's reading a book which becomes important later so they try to do their divination homework but end up making the whole thing up which is a huge mood thank you very much i love it and i love the stuff that they make up i know so like trampled by a hippogriff drowning (laughs) like who would believe it global pandemic what um so then hermione comes back and she has a box of badges labeled s-p-e-w and she set up a charity or a society to end elf enslavement. And we're still not going to talk about it yet. We're saving it for the spew chapter. Great. What I would say is that, A, she's done her research. Good. She went to the library. Good. Well done. She's not just blindly doing things. Bad. She still hasn't spoken to a single elf (laughs) upon setting up this society. Mm -hmm. Not one elf has been spoken to. Nope. So then Hedwig comes to the window with Sirius's note and Sirius says he's coming back north and Hagrid is very, very... No, Hagrid? Harry. Harry is very, <laughs> very angry with himself. Yeah, he, he's really... he He's very stressed. Yeah, it's sweet because he loves Sirius so much. But then Harry's a bitch to Hedwig and that's not mm-hmm. cool. She did not deserve this. She just flew all the way to where the fuck Sirius was yeah. and then all the way back and Harry's like, go away, I have nothing for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's rude so then the chapter ends on harry and neville just lying awake when everyone else is going to sleep which is very sad very very sad very sad yeah that's the end what did you think of these two chapters i like them stuff is starting to get moving like stuff is happening plot is building yeah 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Little nice. nuggets are being slipped in. Yeah, we love a good nugget. Um, <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I like them. I love just like world building of Hogwarts, like description of lessons. Yeah. I just find it very relaxing. Because you're a giant. So I was always gonna giant nerd. Eek. Yeah. So we hope that you enjoyed this episode, despite our many many tangents. And, yeah. Um, if if you guys are looking for more of us, what we did to practice our apart recording, we said we practiced something on Patreon. What we actually practiced was us watching the Philosopher's Stone film and basically doing a director's commentary. Yeah. But we're not directors, it's us two. Yeah, it was just so us basically, like drunkenly shitting on the film. So yeah, so you can literally just like watch the film, press play at the same time, and then just have us like chatting over the film. Hopefully, yeah, it's, it's good. like yeah, it's like you guys chatting to us or we- like us being in the room whilst you watch the film. Like it's like us recorded for us the same you length of the film whilst you're gagged watching the first Harry Potter film. Yes, and if that sounds up your alley, it's over on our Patreon. It's available to everyone on the five dollar tier and above yeah and if it's popular um, then we're gonna do the rest of the films as well so um but if people were like this was shit i'm never gonna play it with the film then we'll forget it happened yeah we're, we'll just collectively not talk about it great all right so thank you guys so much for listening we hope you're okay hope you're staying safe and we'll see you in the next one see bye. you in the next one bye guys Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. VR, Nathan, Amanda, Catherine, Mark, Katie, Sandra, Danny and Mutalib. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes behind the scenes content and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.